Section six of Blackfeet Tales of Glacier National Park by James Willard Schultz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section six White Fur and His Beaver Clan. Away back in the ancient days when our first fathers were able to talk with the animals, a beaver chief named White Fur, with his family and his relatives, built a big dam on this river you can still see the remains of it willow-grown and it still backs up some water a pond as large in extent as the camp of our tribe but in the old days that dam extended from one side to the other of the valley and the water it backed up was more than a pond it was a small lake above here there is a swift stream of white water rushing down the north side of the valley from great ice banks in the mountains well, just below its junction with the river is where White Fur built the dam. Time passed. The sons of the other beaver clans came and married the daughters of White Fur's clan and took them off, and the sons of his clan went out and found wives and brought them home. The clan increased. The pond became full of lodges. The trees were cut in greater number each succeeding summer so it was that when the ice went out one spring white fur went round and round the pond examining the remaining food trees and saw that there remained only a few more than enough for the coming winter it was no more than he expected his last hurried look around just before the freeze-up in the fall had warned him that the food supply was getting small he went home and called a council told what he had learned on his round and then said we must move out from here as soon as the ice breaks up next spring and when we go we must know just where we are going we cannot afford to lose time hunting for a good place to make a new home now who will start out on discovery i will his eldest son loud slap first answered he was so named because he could tail slap the water louder than anyone else in the whole gens now loud slap was white fur's favorite son and next to himself the best the wisest dam builder in the gens the chief wanted to keep him at home for going on discovery was very dangerous but for very shame he could not order him to remain and let some other take the risk so with sinking heart he said you spoke up first my son and so you shall be the first one to look for a new home for us i have had a dream and i want you to find out if it told me truth go down this river a little way beyond the edge of the pines look north and you will see a big ridge with a low gap in it go up through that gap and down the other side and you will soon come to a small branch of a good-sized stream look at all the branches of that stream for a good home for us and come back and tell us all about it make that crossing through the gap in the daytime for then the most of our enemies the mountain lion the fisher and the wolverine the wolf and the coyote are generally asleep night is the time that they do their murdering work as you say so i will do loud slap answered and the next morning some time before daylight he started down river on his dangerous trail of discovery below his pond there were other ponds and as he swam through them many of the beavers living in them asked him where he was going out on discovery our food trees will last us only this coming winter we have to find a new home he answered them all 
On he went, through the last of the ponds, down the river, swimming fast, so very fast that his big webbed hind feet, swiftly kicking, made the water foam past his breast. He had started out too early. When he passed the last of the pines, daylight was still some time off, so he dived under a pile of driftwood, then crawled up into it, found a good resting place on one of the logs, and went to sleep, sure that none of the prowlers could reach him there. The sun shining down through the little openings in the driftwood pile awakened him. He slipped down into the water, made a dive, and came up out in the middle of the river. Nearby was a high sloping bank, bare of trees and brush. He swam to shore, climbed it, looked north, and saw the big ridge and the big low gap in it. He looked all around. No animals were in sight except a few elk, and he knew that they would not harm him. He began waddling toward the gap. The sun was hot. Loud Slap's legs were short, his body fat and heavy. There was no water. He soon became very tired and thirsty, and the top of the gap seemed to be a long way off. More and more often he had to stop and rest, but he kept saying to himself, I will not give up, I will not give up. And at last he arrived at the top of the gap. Close up to the top on the other side were thick, cool groves of quaking aspen and willows. As far as he could see, the valley below him and its far side was one green growth of trees, and he knew that somewhere down there was water, plenty of it. Down he went, oh, how easily, on the steeper places, just pushing a little with his hind feet and sliding along on his belly. He soon came to a small stream of running water and drank and drank of it, rolled over and over in its shallowness until wet all over, and then he followed it down. Other little streams came into it, and at last it became so deep that he could swim. After a time he came to where the stream joined a much larger one, and he turned and went up it and away up in the timber found where a dam could be built that would form a very large pond, and, best of all, the quaking aspens and willows were everywhere, there growing so closely together that they formed a food supply that would last a number of winters. That night Loud Slap slept in a hole that he dug in a bank of the stream. This is the one which we long ago named Kinuxietsikakti. I understand that the white people have another name for it. Early next morning Loud Slap came out of his hole, cut down a small quaking aspen, and ate all he wanted of its bark. He then swam down the stream, turned up its little fork, and before the sun was very high left it and took his back trail up through the gap, and before noon was going down the long slope to Cutbank River. The going was easy, but one thing troubled him the risk that he ran traveling there in that open, waterless country. Whenever he came to a patch of buck-brush or a clump of tall grass, he would sit up and look all around to see if any enemy was near, and then he would go on, keeping as close to the ground as possible. Twice he saw a coyote in the distance, and sat motionless until the animal moved on out of sight. And then, when almost to the river, sitting up and looking out from a brush patch, he saw a wolverine coming straight toward him. He trembled. He shivered. 
now is my end come he said to himself and imagined how it was going to feel to be bitten and clawed and torn to death because of his helplessness because he could in no way defend himself he wept but silently on came the wolverine sniffing the ground sniffing the rocks the weed growth and once when he turned and looked back loud slap threw himself flat there in the brush he had not dared move before the wind was from the southwest the wolverine was coming from the west and that was one thing in loud slap's favor but on which side of that patch of brush would he pass if to the north then he would scent the beaver odor trail follow it and all would be over if he passed to the south of the patch and not too close then all would be well from where he lay flat on the ground in the brush loud slap could see nothing but the brush stems in front of his nose but presently he heard close to the patch and to the west of it the sniff sniff sniffle of his enemy he closed his eyes his body shook with fear he could almost feel strong sharp fanged jaws closing upon his neck the suspense was terribly hard to bear and then after what seemed to be a whole moon of time he heard the sniffling close in front of him then faint and fainter off in the direction of the river and presently he opened his eyes little by little rose up and looked out from his hiding-place lo wolverine had come close close to the brush-patch and south of it and then had turned and was now walking slowly toward the river my enemy passes i survive loud slap said to himself and would have sung had he dared oh yes beaver sang in those days as you shall learn loud slap watched the wolverine go on down the valley and then waddled to the river as fast as he could work his legs how good it felt that plunge into the cool water from the bank and once into it he made it foam as he swam homeward against the swift current long before night he climbed the dam of the upper pond and a little later entered his father's lodge ha back so soon what found you my son old white fur asked a fine stream there on the other side of the gap a place to dam a large pond plenty of food bark trees loud slap answered and then told carefully all about the place and about his narrow escape from the wolverine then his mother went swimming from lodge to lodge of the gens calling all the heads of the families and when they had gathered in white fur's lodge he told them again of his find and of the dangers of the trail all went home pleased that he had found such a good place for a new home for them white fur and his whole gens worked very hard that summer to get in sufficient food bark sticks for the winter supply they had to drag the last of them a long way to water and they kept at it long after the snow came and until the ice and cold weather prevented further cutting the trails they left in the snow just before the pond froze over were a sure call to their passing enemies and they halted and lay in wait beside them and killed in all five of the members of the gens one of them loud slap's oldest son a lynx was seen to spring upon him and carry him off as he was going out to finish cutting down a large tree the winter passed 
When spring came there was still considerable food bark untouched on the underwater piles, but oh how glad the beavers were to be able to swim about again and eat fresh bark from living tree branches. All were anxious to start at once for the new home across the ridge, but white fur would not permit it. From the pressure of the winter snows the dead grass of the past summer lay flat. We must wait until the new grass grows high enough to conceal us, he said, and then we will go. Of course, he meant those that would be able to go. Females with newborn young were to remain where they were until the young should be old enough to travel, and then they were to cross the ridge and join their mates. The new grass came, and when it was a little higher than the top of a beaver's back, old white fur and loud slap led all those who could go about fifty of them, down the river on the way to the stream beyond the gap. White Fur had already talked with the chief who lived in the next pond below, and he had promised to keep all newcomers from occupying the pond that White Fur and his gens were leaving for a time. The travellers saw no enemy on the trail up through the gap, and upon arriving at the place that Loud Slap had discovered, were well pleased with it. That very evening, after a heavy meal of bark, they began work on the dam, and by morning had much willow-brush laid, butts to the current, across the stream. Night and day, with little rest, they toiled to complete the dam, of sticks and stones and sod and earth, and within two moons' time they finished it, and had a pond large enough and deep enough for the lodges of the gens and all the food-sticks they would need to sink for winter use. Then one evening came those who had been left behind, came with their strong and half-grown young, and all began at once to cut and bring in and sink the winter food supply. Long before winter set in they had stored more than they could possibly use, and from that time until the ice formed they did nothing more than strengthen the dam and eat and sleep and play about in the water. The winter passed, and more young were born. Came and went another winter, and in the spring more young were born. There were now in the gens many two and three and some four-year-olds, both male and female, and they could not mate with one another. Something had to be done for them. Old White Fur called a council, and there was much talk about it. Some favored sending scouts away along the little river to learn if there were any beaver colonies along it. Others, and the greater number, declared that the unmarried males should take the trail through the gap down to Cutbank River, find mates in the different gens having ponds along it, and tell the unmarried males there to come over and take wives from White Fur's gens. It was decided that this should be done and one morning more than forty young males started for Cutbank River. Days passed, and yet more days, and no wife-seeking beavers came to the pond on Little River. Something is wrong, White Fur told Loud Slap. Aye, something is wrong. If none come within four days' time, I shall go over to the Cutbank ponds and learn what the trouble is. The four days passed, and no stranger, not one, came. On the fifth morning Loud Slap once more took the trail for Cutbank, saying to White Fur as he left, If I do not return within four days' time, then send someone over to learn what the trouble is, for I shall be dead. 
Down the river went Loud Slap, and up the little fork, and thence along the trail through the gap in the ridge. He moved along very cautiously, keeping a sharp lookout in all directions, and seeing nothing to alarm him. After passing through the gap, he saw, on a ridge to the east, a number of wolves following a small band of buffalo, and that pleased him, for, seeking food there, they would not be likely to turn down and cross his trail. He hurried on down the slope. Suddenly, when near the river, a whirl of wind brought a dreadful odor to his nostrils, an odor of dead and decaying flesh. He stopped, sat up, looked sharply ahead, saw nothing to alarm him, went on a short distance, and came upon a scene that made him shiver, that made him mourn. There, on the trail, and on both sides of it, lay his youthful kin who had gone out to seek wives. There they lay, their bodies swollen and bursting, every one of them mangled and torn, several half-eaten by their enemies, wolves probably, that had discovered and killed them all. One look at them was enough. He hurried on, weeping, and plunged into the river. Upstream he went, faster than he had ever swam before, and soon entered the lower one of the beaver ponds. Straight to the chief's lodge he swam, and dived down to the entrance, and went up into the big and comfortable grass-floored home. Ah, loud slap, it is you! Welcome you are! Sit, youth, and give us the news, the chief cried out. Loud slap greeted him and gave the news, and both wept over the death of so many of their kind. The chief's wife went out and spread the news, and there was mourning in every lodge in that pond. The chief then gave Loud Slap bad news. Said he, in the early part of this moon came to us a visitor from the big pond at the head of the lake on the next stream south of this river. He meant, of course, the great beaver pond just above lower to Medicine Lake. Yes, said Loud Slap, yes. Ah, he came and visited us and our kin in the other ponds, and gave no reason for his coming, and soon went home. But in a few days' time he returned with all his gins, and they were many, and took possession of the upper pond, your pond, and at this time they are repairing the dam and backing the water up into the new growth of food trees, which are as thick as they can stand. We told him, we all told him, this chief, Strong Dam is his name, that he should not take the pond as it belongs to you, to your father White Fur and his gens. But he said that he did not care who owned it, he had taken it and would hold it, fight for it, against all comers. Ah, is it so? Loud Slap cried. We will see about that. Say nothing to any one that I have been here. Tell your people to keep my visit secret from all above here. I go to bring my kindred over, and we shall drive that strong dam and his gins back whence they came, or kill them all." Loud Slap went back to his little river home the next day, and told all that he had seen and learned. All mourned and mourned for their dead, and their hearts burned with anger against strong dam and his gins. Said White Fur, I am old, old, but I can still fight. We will go over to our pond to-morrow. I will lead you, and we will teach that strong dam and his relatives something. We will send them crying back to their pond above the lake. 
they started the next morning all the males and even females that were without young and they were many those who were waiting for males of other gents to come and marry them old white fur led them across to the river without mishap and up to the first pond where they visited and rested and ate their fill of fresh green bark and there some of the females met young unmarried males who wanted to mate with them and they answered we will marry you but first you must fight for us you must help us drive that strong dam and his gens from our pond and is that all you ask they replied we are only too glad to help you who would not fight for his sweetheart should not have one this gave white fur something to think about and after a time he said to loud slap go now on a secret mission visit the ponds of our friends above here and say to the unmarried males that our young females here will marry them but they must first help us drive strong dam from this river ah that is a good plan said loud slap and he started at once to carry it out late that night he returned and reported that all the young males had agreed to the proposal and would join white fur and his kin when they came along let us start now said white fur and the advance began and by the time he reached the dam of his own old pond he had a large following there was a young man lying there on the dam a far-back ancestor of ours who had gone there to get his medicine dream his vision he was awake and when in the bright moonlight he saw that big old white-furred beaver come up on the dam and a hundred and more beaver following he could not believe his eyes and cried out am i really and truly awake or is this a medicine vision hush keep still old white fur told him what you see is real we are come to fight and drive off those here who have stolen our pond and our new growth of food trees just you keep still we want to surprise them if you see that they are beating us then give us help when all is over i will give you a medicine that will ensure you long life and happiness the young man no otter was his name made signs that he would keep silent and he sat there and watched more than a hundred beavers cross the dam close in front of him and slide quietly into the pond and even then could hardly believe that he was not dreaming as they entered the water that great war party of beavers swam out in all directions for the shores of the pond where scattered all along strong dam and his skin were already cutting the young trees for winter food and as he watched and listened the young man heard suddenly a great commotion and squealing all along the shore the fighting had begun then almost at once the attacked and the attackers took to the water and the whole surface of the pond was as if it had been struck by a tornado it boiled and eddied and foamed and shot high in spray and with it all was the slap 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 of beaver tails as the animal struggled and clinched and floundered and bit all over its long length and width and soon beavers frightened and gasping for breath and bleeding from many wounds began to pass on each side of the young man over the dam and drop into the stream below and disappear in its swift current and some unable to climb it and bleeding from many wounds 
died there at the edge of the dam and sank. The water was red with their blood. One of them, crawling out, staggered right up against the young man and gasped and died, and he put out his hand and felt of it, its wet coat, the warm but now breathless body, and then for the first time was he sure that what he was witnessing was real and no dream. The fight was over. The last of the enemy had been killed or had fled down river, and White Fur and his party gathered on the dam. Not all were there. Some of them lay dead on the bottom of the pond or sorely wounded on the shore. White Fur directed that they should be helped into the cool lodges, where they would be safe from the prowlers, and there cared for and fed. That done, said White Fur to the young man, you have seen a great sight this night. Had we needed your help, I know that you would have given it. Yes, you had to but call, and I would have been with you, the young man answered. I know it, said White Fur, and just for your good will I shall give you a strong medicine and teach you the songs that go with it. But I cannot do this here. You will have to go home with us to our pond on the next stream to the north. They went there the next day, leaving behind the newly married females and their mates to care for the wounded and make them well. And on the way up through the gap and down to the pond, White Fur and Loud Slap told the young man the story of their lives and their troubles, just as I am telling it to you. And upon reaching the pond on Little River, no water remained there a long time with the beavers, the old chief and his son Loud Slap giving him a medicine beaver cutting and teaching him the beaver songs. It was a good medicine. He took it home with him and kept it and made ceremony with it and sang the songs as he had been taught to do, and because of that he had great success at war and in curing the sick, and he lived to great age. Kai So ends my story. July 25 Yesterday, Guadipe, or as I prefer to call him, Aizano Moxen, takes gun ahead, climbed with me up to the top of White Calf Mountain. There, on the extreme summit of the rough-crested mountain, we came upon five bighorn, all ewes, and not one of them with a lamb beside her. During the lambing season here this winter there was a continuous downpour of rain and sleet and snow in which the newborn young undoubtedly perished. But how tame those five ewes were! We walked to within fifty yards of them, and they gazed at us curiously, now and then nervously stamping the rock with one or the other of their forefeet. And then they circled around us twice, and finally walked off toward the eastern point of the mountain often stopping to look back at us, and finally disappeared behind some rock-piles. At the same time Kutai Pokati, no coward woman, as my people have named my wife, was having her own experience with the game in this park. With Miss L., a Boston friend, she was sitting near the edge of a high, almost cut bank at the edge of the river, when she heard the slow, heavy, twig-snapping tread of an animal back in the brush. She gave her friend a nudge, and pointed in the direction of the sounds, and the two watched and listened, and presently they saw the brush shaking as the animal forced its way through it, 
and then half revealed and half concealed in more open brush they saw a big grizzly coming straight toward them right near where they sat a dwarf juniper grew at the edge of the high bank several of its limbs overhanging it without speaking a word and trembling as though they had ague they crept to the tree grasped one of the limbs and tenaciously gripping it let themselves down over the edge of the bank and then the limb broke with a loud snap and down they went along the gravelly incline so steep that they could get no foothold over and over head first feet first and sideways and landed in the river with a loud splash but they did not mind that what were bruises and a wetting compared to being mauled by a grizzly they forded the waist-deep stream and arrived dripping but safe in camp and were glad to be there although this glacier national park is only five years old the game animals within it have already become very tame the bighorn and the rocky mountain goats no longer flee from parties traversing the mountain trails and the deer and elk and moose have become almost as fearless as they are as for the bears they are continually trying to break into the meat houses of the different camps undoubtedly these mountains and forests within the next ten years will fairly be alive with game and as to trout the supply is increasing instead of decreasing in this cut-bank stream alone there have been caught this season in the neighbourhood of two thousand trout weighing from a fourth of a pound up to four pounds but since the first of april seventy thousand young trout from the anaconda hatchery have been put into it july twenty seven last night in black bull's lodge we had more tales of the long ago in this cutbank valley would that i had the time to collect all the blackfeet legends of the various places in their once enormous domain from the saskatchewan to the yellowstone and from the rockies between these two streams eastward for about three hundred miles there are tales of adventure of camp life and wonderful legends for every mountain stream butte and spring within that great area said black bull last night i will tell you a story that my grandfather told me it happened in the days of his father's boyhood and it is called the story of the bad wife end of section six